Today's reading is 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. First Samuel 16, 1 through 13. It can be found on page 264 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things humans, human beings look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came on David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I do. My son is here today. <laughs> One thing we like to do and acknowledge before we get going into uh, scripture is just to say that uh, blatantly we're all at different places. We come from different backgrounds. Um, we're full of different emotions. We've had good weeks, bad weeks, um, closing deals, looking at houses. You know, <laughs> That's my job, right? Um, there's a lot of emotions. We spent the evening last night with some friends, and uh, this was a joyful occasion, and one of our friends just broke down in tears. Uh, we didn't even know why, and it was just some nerve was hit. Something was going on with her family, and she couldn't shake it, and she was just bawling throughout the dinner, and it was a little awkward, but uh, what I find, too, is with church and religious stuff, um, there's kind of this button that's pushed when we say God or religion, and it stirs things up, and that can be a... Um, a good thing, it can be a, a freeing and, and peaceful thing, it can also be something that kind of wrecks your life a little bit. So we acknowledge that openly. Our prayer is that uh, this place would be full of grace, 
uh, safe place. You've heard it over and over. This is a safe place. Um, we know that what's going on inside is messy, but, um, and, and it doesn't always look, look like what's on the outside. And so uh, we like to use the phrase that uh, you are loved and cared for more than you could ever imagine, uh, even though inside can be more of a mess than we like to admit. So that's our prayer, and I just said it out loud. God's with us. He's going to be doing some good things this morning. Um, I had a, a colleague come by my house last week, and we were about to go eat lunch, and he said, hey, I need to use the restroom before, I, uh, before I, we go to lunch. And uh, so I said, yeah, fine. And he took about two minutes, four minutes, and I, I was kind of like, hey, we got to get to lunch. What's going on here? You know, I didn't want to bother him. Finally, he came out, and he said, I saw the book of questions on your toilet, and I started reading it, and I was pondering 131. So I, I brought 131 for you. Um, and it said, uh, it says, if 100 people your age were chosen at random, how many people do you think you'd find leading a more satisfying life than yours? And we ended up talking about this for a long time. And, and, and it's funny, the older you get, the more you start pondering this question. Because uh, it's really not about other people. It's about you. And only you can determine how satisfying is your life. And the older you get, you start, you know, these middle-aged people like myself are like, how have I lived my life? You know, how do I want to live my life? Is it satisfying? Is it fulfilling me right now? And what you start finding is you can only take so many great vacations. Uh, you can only uh, make so much money. I mean, money is good. It's always fun to make a little bit more. Um, but what you find is it's the people who are with you, the people that journey with you that make the difference. It's the people that influence your life, the people that uh, you can touch, that you can influence. I think about my growing up and uh, my parents and grandparents, I'm so thankful for, huge influences on my life. I think about the coaches. I had a soccer coach named Mr. Shepherd, of all people. Mr. Shepherd, he led the team. Uh, Ellis Cato was my baseball coach. We had some youth leaders named George and Paul Papa George. They were two Greek twin brothers that just loved and cared for us so tremendously. They were so inspirational to me. Larry Zyman in high school, I could care less about this guy. He came to all my baseball games and he influenced my life so much. Think about the mentors in college and uh, some people in this room. My wife is highly influential in my life. Um, some of you just stand out, are so encouraging to me. And so I, I, we're not talking about satisfaction today. We're talking about leadership. And the root definition of leadership is simply influence. How do you influence people? And that's why I say uh, we're not going to talk about the nuts and bolts and how to be a better leader and what skills and books you need to read but more so, how can you influence the people around you? And it doesn't matter how old you are, uh, how young you are, this is for you. You are, have influence in somebody's life, whether it's a friend or relative, coworker, or um, someone sitting right next to you. So that's what we're gonna get into, and I'm gonna attempt to kind of draw out some, some ideas from this passage from the Old Testament to kind of get there. And let me just say, leadership is, you know, uh, in our culture, it's. It's all about like the bottom line, right? How, how can I close the deal? How can I be productive? And how can I help other people do that? Spiritual leadership is what we're talking about today. 
which is a little bit different. Um, the bottom line is different, and that's what I hope to uncover. I hope to inspire you. I hope to, that you can see that this is for you, that it's not just uh, for people with special gifting or uh, they go on retreats over the weekend and, and do things for this church, okay? So 1 Samuel, we're going to read it again. I have it up on the screen so you can kind of follow along. Um, and, and the title, at least in my Bible, said, Samuel anoints David. If you can just scroll forward, I, I think I have them in my slides. Hopefully. We will wait like David waited. No, Samuel waited. <laughs> there you go, one more forward. No, is it not there? Okay. I'll just read it, and you can listen along. My Bible says, Samuel anoints David. Samuel is a prophet of Israel. If you didn't know, the prophets were the, the voice box of God. They were the seers. They're the ones who heard and saw what God was doing and uh, relayed this to the people. They get kind of a bad rap because a lot of it was bad news. They're like, you guys are going down. And people are like, ah, get run from the prophet. You know, he's no good. However, Samuel was more of like the right-hand man to King Saul, the first king of Israel. And uh, so they had a really close bond. And so it says that the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? I'd encourage you to read what led up to this rejection on your own time. Uh, put on your, uh, your, your primitive glasses because the Old Testament is full of gore. It actually ends with Samuel beheading this other king. And, and you'll be taken aback by it. So you've got to understand, this was a barbaric culture that this time was set in. So God says to Samuel, you're going to go anoint a new king. Fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take your heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I'll show you what to do. And you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So spiritual leadership, number one, it's, it's human. There's humanity involved. Um, there's, the Bible is always uncovering people's failings, including Samuel. He's sitting here shaking in his boots because he's like, I got to do what God tells me to do, but I'm afraid that Saul is going to kill me. Plus, He's enamored with Saul. He's like, he was mourning for him because he was rejected. So some of you are sitting here saying, I'm not a leader. I'm not good at influencing people. I've failed a lot in my life. Um, you're not excluded from this. There's humanity involved in your influence with others. God uses all kinds of people. And so this is the starting point of, of spiritual leadership. It's always the, the human and divine mixed together it's always a mixed bag of personality and our blundering and our trial and error, and we still move forward, taking initiative, influencing people. If you look at um, people throughout Scripture, the greatest leaders were some of the biggest failures. Have you caught that? Abraham tried to get the job done on his own. Uh, God said, you're going to be the, the father of all nations, and he goes and has a baby with somebody else to get the job done. Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, had a little rage issue, right? He had an anger issue. He killed somebody. He murdered somebody. And this is a guy who led the people out of, out of uh, Egypt. 
We're going to get into David in a minute. He is a man after God's own heart, right? He was the greatest leader. And he was a guy who sees a woman sunbathing on a roof and falls for her and commits adultery. The greatest leader. He ends up killing her husband to cover up the deal. God uses all kinds of people. No matter what your background and failing is, there's humanity involved, and this should give you hope and encouragement to step forward. So we see Samuel kind of freaking out, and he doesn't want to do this. He's, he's kind of like, are you sure, God? My life's on the line here. <clears throat> so spiritual leadership and how it differentiates leadership is that we're doing not what we want to do, but we're doing with what God wants to do. And this might be just so simple, but, it, but ego and humanity is the thing that gets in the way of us actually fulfilling what God wants to do. It's, I mean, usually, <laughs> you know, it's me that gets in the way, right? The sweetest place to be is when they both align, <clears throat> when my will and God will is the same. That's the sweet spot. And so Samuel's asked to do what he doesn't really want to do. His life's on the line here. Um, how do we do this? How do we know what God wants us to do? Again, this is kind of the elephant in the room. Uh, he listened to God. And I think some of us think that Samuel, the prophet, had these magic you know, skills. He was, he was kind of like a superhero, right? He, he was, his role was to hear God. So he had a special ability, right? Um, you read in the New Testament that Jesus clearly says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. It's pretty simple. And this, so this is for everyone. Some of you maybe don't think you can hear God. Some of you maybe never tried. Some of you <laughs> um, have stopped listening or, like me, get really impatient. You know, our culture goes against listening and being still. Some of the best advice, and this is another message Maybe Mark can preach on it sometime. But uh, when Samuel was a boy, he was asleep, and he hears his name being called, Samuel. So he gets up and runs to Eli, and he says, what? And he said, Eli, goes, I, di I didn't say anything to you. Go back to bed. This happens three times where Samuel hears his name, and he's, he's awoken from sleep. And Eli realizes, oh, it's God talking to him. So he says, next time you hear your name being called, say, here I am, uh, how does it go? Here I am, your servant is listening. That's how I've approached it. It's very simple. Getting in a still spot and saying, here I am, your servant is listening. And I think what you'll find is, if you're patient enough, you'll start hearing your voice, his voice, your name being called. And then the direction starts happening um, with discernment, people in your life helping you understand. So the spiritual leader hears and listens to God's voice. And it probably goes without saying, there's an element of obedience attached to it. We hate this. We hate obedience. We hate being told what to do. Um, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They do what I say. Check it out. Samuel, it's a sweet verse. Verse 4, it says, Samuel did what the Lord said. 
<laughs> That's like what we want on our tombstone. Keith did what the Lord said. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. <laughs> Sometimes belligerent, but he did what <laughs> they, the Lord said. <laughs> uh, so obedience is huge. Follow through is huge. Taking action is huge. This is what leaders do. And I think in the smallest way, you can um, be led. That's the, the other principle. Leaders are always being led by somebody else. The best leaders are followers. Whether it's directly like a sheep following the Lord's commands, or if it's um, you're, you're a follower here, you're a follower at work. And again, we don't like to be followers. We don't like to be told what to do. The best leaders are followers. It always precedes leadership. There's a humility attached to following, taking commands, doing what you're supposed to do. So let's get back in the story. They, they had this little ceremony before the choosing, kind of the lining up. Who's going to be king, right? He sacrifices the cow. He, he anoints or consecrates everybody. And then they line the, uh, the, the sons up. So the oldest son walks in. This is a great story. And Samuel is kind of like, this is the guy, right? He looks good. He's tall, it says. He's, he's you know, this has got to be the next anointed guy. And it's almost like God says, this isn't the guy. Or he says he rejects him. So they go through the lineup, right? And, uh, and none of them are the king. And, and he asks the dad, Jesse, so are there any other kids here? Or, and he's like, well, my teenager is out in the field, <laughs> you know? He's like goofing around with the sheep. And all right, bring him in. Let, let's see what he's got here. Like, he has none of the qualifications. So they bring in David from, and they, they said, we'll wait. We'll stand here and wait. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird story. So they come in, and, and then ultimately, it's like, this is the guy. It's like instantly, this is the king. And it's like they're all just dumbfounded. What? Like, my little brother is, is going to be the king? He's, we don't know how old he is, but he's probably a teenager, right? 13, 14, 15, this is the next king. And this is the, the kind of the, the crux of the passage. We love this scripture. You've probably heard it before. It says, when they arrived, uh, well, it goes on, it says, before that, when he, Samuel thought, this has got to be the guy, it says, don't look at the, his outer appearance, God's saying in Samuel's ear. Don't look at his height. I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There was, so there was something about David that was different. He clearly didn't have the qualifications. He didn't have years of experience and wisdom behind him. He wasn't tall. I don't know. It says he was good looking. But he had heart. Something about his character. Something about his potential. And so in a, in a real general way, lead, spiritual leaders have heart. There's something about the integrity, the character of a person that doesn't line, necessarily line up with the outer appearance. Is This is what God's looking for. And so again, some of you think you need to be educated in a certain way, have read leadership books and gone through certain trainings. These are all good things, by the way. But it's more about the heart. It's more about who you are underneath it all, the real person that God's looking at. And this is developed over time. So I think David had a lot of potential here, and clearly God saw that. 
<clears throat> so the passage goes on, um, and they anoint, they end up anointing David as, as the, uh, the future king. Um, my wife and I were talking about this passage, again, huge influence on my life. She, she prepared my message. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and she said, you know what I think? I think spiritual leadership is just unassuming. Like, we don't, we sometimes look at a person and want to pick out the leader from the lineup. And it's, that's not necessarily the leader that God has chosen. Leadership is unassuming in so many different ways. Some of you assume that you're not an influencer, that you don't have the skills or the gifts or the abilities. And I don't think it's true at all. You need to start thinking about more the interior of your life and, and that being developed. I, uh, some of you know I had the chance to go to India with my dad a couple years ago now. And um, I learned so much about leadership and this whole idea of unassuming leaders. And so I thought I'd introduce you to a couple of them today. Um, if you don't know the background, uh, he works with generally, um, they're called untouchables. They're the Dalits of society. They're the, they, you know, the, the Hindu religion is made up of um, castes. And these people aren't even part of the, the Godhead or the caste system. They aren't even welcomed into their own country's religion. And so, by and large, these people have responded, and there's this movement going on over there right now, a church planning movement, where people are receiving this message of hope and dignity and, and change. So we got to meet this one uh, village group. They're called the Mushahar people, literally translated as rat eaters. And uh, it's interesting, because this is like their identity. Like, you are a rat eater. This is who you are. And I said, well, why do they eat rats? Well, this was their job, because the upper caste dictate what they do. They're, they chase and kill rats from, you know, in farms. And, and they eat rats because that's their sustenance. And so this is who they are. Um, they're like the, even within the untouchables, they're like the lowest rung of the ladder. And so this is who they're, that's, this is their identity. Um, this group of people have heard, has heard this liberating message that Jesus has come to set the oppressed free and has come to loosen the chains of cap the captives. And they've grabbed hold of this, and it's changed their whole outlook and demeanor. This, uh, the pastor is the one with the Bible. Most of them are uh, illiterate. His wife is also a pastor, and she's gifted in um, writing songs and hymns Lyrics that help teach the people about God. And it was the most beautiful thing when she started teaching us a song about uh, the Creator and how He loves us. It was just, it was amazing. These are the spiritual leaders of India on the lowest rung of the ladder. The next group of people are a little bit more upscale. This one guy, not in the blue jacket, but the next guy, he owned, he owned three garment factories Super successful businessman. And uh, he said that he met this guy. It, it was akin to like meeting someone at the bus stop that you might think is homeless or, or just washed out. And he said this guy started telling him about Jesus. And it was like, get away from me. I don't need this. I don't need you. And this guy, he kept running into around town or the village. And he said, God has something different for your life. And he's like, 
I've got a successful business. I don't need you, you know? <laughs> I think he said he tried to give money away, and the guy said, God doesn't want your money. And it was this amazing story, almost unbelievable to, to a certain extent. Uh, he ended up selling his businesses, and he's now a pastor there. And, it's, and he hangs out with these other pastors. As we're leaving the village, there's the guy who changed my life. There's the guy who spoke into my life. We're like, what? It's this guy with the bike. We were blown away. This guy with the sticks and the scarf on his head is the guy that changed his life, that influenced him. Let me ask you, if you were to look at this picture, which is the leader? The guy with the slacks and the nice shoes and the cool glasses and the cool hair and the sweater. That's the leader, right? Well, God doesn't look at people the way we do. He looks at the heart. <laughs> and uh, man, it was so moving. Let's look at the next picture. These guys were farmers. They were probably 19, 20, 21. Um, they grew this drug that was highly addictive that the whole village was hooked on, including them. Hopeless, they said. We were desperate. And they heard this message of that life doesn't have to be like this, that there is hope, that there is change. You're a new creation. You can be a new creation, they said. Uh, they don't know how to read, but they drew this picture, and they have it on the wall, see up there, of uh, creation and uh, Christ and how they've changed their life and uh, how they now help each other. They help the villages around them, and, and they We like to serve the other villages. I was, I was like almost crying every group of people I met. These guys have built a church, and they uh, drew this picture as they're teaching because they don't have a Bible. They don't, they don't know how to read it. Let me see the next slide. We're sitting on this bed, which was common to do. You're invited in a house, and you sit on their bed. <laughs> Come to them, sit on my bed. And the guy on the right here is actually one of the leaders. That's my dad on the left. His name is Rajesh. Rajesh, when we got there, right in India, uh, someone grabbed my bags. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Someone's stealing my stuff, you know. Because you go to India, and you're just disoriented. You don't know what side is up. You've been on the plane for like 40 hours, it feels. And this guy grabs my bags. And I'm like, okay. And I've quickly figured out, okay, he's with the people that we're with. All right. And he just hauls them to this car. And we're just kind of zombie walking in. He gets in the back of this like SUV with all the baggage. And he's sitting there in the back. And I'm thinking, at first I thought he was kind of like a baggage handler. And like, should we tip him? You know, who, what's going on here? We get to where we're staying. He unloads the bags. You know, he's like a hired hand. And uh, he makes us dinner. And then we took a nap. And uh, we go to this pastor's conference about three days later. And they're introducing these pastors and what they've been doing. And it was so, uh, such a joyful experience. And uh, Rajesh, I'm like, hey, there's the guy who was unloading our car and, and made sure we were, were safe and sound and was hanging on the back. Rajesh, he's... He oversees and has planted over 200 churches in the area. I'm like, what? Like, our leaders ride in the front seat, right? We, he's in, like, the luggage compartment. Like, wait a minute. This guy was the most joyful and humble, servant-like person I've ever met. And he's, like, one of the main leaders of the whole thing. MK is in the middle. Uh, they would say that, this church planting movement is the largest movement 
in history. Not just India or the world, but history. My dad's been part of it because, first of all, he's like, I don't believe it. He looks at their books. There's like an accountability he set up. He helps um, make sure that they're on point. And he's looked at the numbers over and over, people being saved and baptized and churches planning. And they have these diagrams of where it all happens and, and that how it's self-sustaining and the pig farms and the chicken farms and the, all, the orphanages. And it's all laid out. And let's see the next picture. I love this. M- oh, no. One more picture. There's MK with his family <laughs> on his motorcycle. <laughs> and uh, this was not a posed picture. This is how they roll in India. They try to get as many people on one vehicle as possible. And this isn't about riding on a motorcycle with five people. But this is about MK. Uh, we took him out to dinner right before we left. We thought, you know, let's bless his wife. Let's take him out to dinner. It's so inexpensive there. And in the middle of the dinner, he, he gets a phone call, and he's like, I've got to go. Like, part of me is like, this guy's kind of rude. You know? like, that was, we're trying to bless him, and he's leaving on us. Like, what's going on? He comes back about 45 minutes later, and he said, I'm so sorry. One of the ladies in our local uh, church uh, was ill, and they, they thought I was the only person that can help. And I'm thinking, dude, you need to learn how to delegate. You know, what, like, do you need some leadership skills? You know? And um, he said, well, I was the only one big enough that could carry her because the traffic is so bad, um, somebody had to carry her to the hospital. So I carried her for 15 blocks to the hospital. And she's doing okay now. I'm thinking, what in the world? This guy, in the middle of our dinner, carries someone for 15 and is back in time for the Andre. <laughs> like, these guys are spiritual leaders. <laughs> They're my heroes. Humble, servant-like, joyful. One more picture. We go to this one village and sit down, sit down, sit down, take off your shoes. And they start washing our feet. These two girls are washing my feet. I think I wore my, my sunglasses because I was like crying like the whole time. The whole time I'm sitting there going, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Um, we were whisked into this blue building behind us. See the next picture. And uh, these two girls, one's 17 and the other's 20. Um, they're the pastors of the church. Um, one's really gifted in uh, music and singing. The other one's this firecracker preacher. <laughs> Just killing it. They're so joyful. And they're the ones that were washing our feet. Um, they made us this beautiful meal afterwards. And they're serving it to us. We think the leader should be the one that doesn't do the work. The one that doesn't get their hands dirty. God looks at the inside, not the outside. And by the way, Jesus said, I came to not be served, but to serve. And remember, he washed the disciples' feet, and he says, this is an example for you to follow. And they've taken it quite literally. They're saying, we're going to serve you and love you in these ways. And the last picture is just of this orphanage we visited. Um, orphanages get a bad rap as like, uh, money-making scams, you know, you see on TV, like, give us your money. In India, these kids are called throwaways. 
You've seen the movies, you know, Slumdog Millionaire. This is true. Um, kids are sold into uh, sex slavery. They are maimed so that they can beg and make more money. And these kids, um, they've been rescued. And I see them as the next generation of leaders. They're given food and clothing and education. And um, when we're leaving, these eight-year-olds, they said, uh, let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. <laughs> it was ridiculous. The, uh, the love and the uh, humility. and uh, We can learn a lot from these. My dad always says, these are unlikely leaders and teachers. You see, God looks at the inside. Uh, he uses all kinds of people. People that you wouldn't expect at all. And um, some of you are, is, are those people. <laughs> you don't think you're the, the spiritual leader or the leader that should be up here speaking. And that's, this isn't what it's about. It's about simply influencing those who are around you. Speaking a word of care. Listening. Right? Spiritual leaders are listeners to God and to others. And they're obedient. The last verse of this whole passage is maybe one of the most interesting and deserves a whole nother sermon. So I've set you up for a couple more messages. It simply says something like, the power of the Spirit was on David in a mighty way or something like that. See, the reality is we're asked to do something that we can't even do on our own. Um, the changes that need to be made in my life and yours, I can't do for you. You can't even do for yourself. We can't even do it for each other. There's this mystical thing. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a greater helper, the Holy Spirit. Someone that, a spirit that's, that's able to make changes. Something that is mystical, that's internal, but that can make these changes that no one else can do for you. And I'm going to leave you with that. Our posture, hopefully, is out of openness here, of uh, expectation, and I think just reception that uh, there's something good around the corner. There's something uh, about us needing each other as influence. And we want to be a people here, I believe, as a church that influences others. And it's not in this, we're going to get them. We're going to change them. It's, it's simply uh, being available, listening, um, saying a word that, that can dramatically change my life. And uh, I appreciate that about you. And I believe that this is going to happen. Let's, let's pray together. God, you, you are the one that makes the change. Holy Spirit, do something in us, even right now, that, um, that we can hold on to, that we know is real. Uh, thank you for the people in this room, in our lives, that have directed and influenced us. Um, yeah, help us be listeners and obedient. Thank you for the model, the pictures of uh, people in India, that the lowest of the low, that um, are the greatest in your kingdom. Amen.